Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be that chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess, so IKEA makes storage affordable. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never to have a spooky time. It's Ruined. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ruined. This is Hallie. And this is Allison. Um, this is a podcast. We ruin a horror movie just for you. Just for you guys. Hallie, how you doing? I'm I'm fine. Boy, it's still cold in LA. It's cold and rainy. Um, it was rainy and cold and then warm. And then now it's rainy and cold again and then warm. So I'm having, if you notice my face, like I feel like my... My allergies, like my face is rejecting yeah. my eyeballs, so like they're about uh-huh. to pop sure. out. And that's yeah. fine. And that's, that's what allergies are. That's actually totally <laughs> fine. And that's good that our bodies have that reaction to the natural world as it changes. Yes. Boy, you yes. think your allergies are bad now, man. I mean, like in 20 years with climate change. I know. I already have such bad. We both have bad allergies. Oh, and it stinks. It's hell. I know. And like, yeah. Everybody's like, well, you're stuffed up. And I'm like, no, like I can't. Like my head feels like it's going to fall off. Yeah, and um, I don't know, other than Zyrtec, and then, uh, but then I just want to go to sleep, so. Yeah. Um, I am. It's I'm, a no-win. I'm just letting my immune system do what it could do, and then I'll, I'll, I'll deal with it later. But other than that, I yeah. really can't complain. I'm trying to think okay. of anything I have going on. Um, I have nothing. Again, once again, nothing. Yeah. How about you? Nothing. Still just Riz. Riz is my whole world. And he, That's it. And in, do, in being your world, he is also mine. Yes. You just yes, had a photo yes. of like, I love that little guy. I know. Oh, he's so cute. He um, had the, like, watching him have the zoomies is. Because how old is he? So I'm funny. sorry, I know we talked about this before. Is he? He's like between one and two. Okay. We have no, so I don't young. really know. He's still yeah, a kid. He's still little. And oh. like, he uh, like jumped up on the couch and like looked at me and meowed and then like catapulted himself across the room. <laughs> I was just like, what's Adam happening genius. with you? There's a uh, at so my, funny at my office. There's a, a courtyard cat that I hadn't seen for a oh. while, and me and the security guard were concerned. But then I saw it, uh, he or she, on Thursday, and it was really nice. And it's just at the end of the day, I'm assuming the cat lives nearby and it goes out when their owner come gets home. Yeah, it's only in the evening, and the cat oh, comes over yeah. and walks around the courtyard for like an hour, and then Aww. people pet it, and then it goes home. So it's very I smart mean, that it knows. Like it basically cats are smart. Timing its commute to our commute. So, like, as people yes. leave the building, they will pet the cat, and then it goes it's home. in it for the pets. They're very smart. They're very smart. Riz is very, I don't know if Riz is very smart, but he's a great little he guy. He doesn't need to so. be. Why, don't put he that, need to we be. shouldn't put that pressure on him. You know? Right. Just, like, hang out in the apartment, man. Like, yeah, you did it. No one should have to be smart. We all have to be smart. No. I don't want that for Riz. I want to be a I little. I don't want that for Riz. A little walnut brain boy. That's what I want for yeah. him. Well, that's what he is. <laughs> um, what about you, Allison? What's new with you? I mean, Really nothing. Um, Natasha and I made a, um, basically a cake made out of pasta. <laughs> Do tell. Now, is that a lasagna or is that something different? Well, like, it's like, this was like lasagna adjacent. We okay. got these really, it all came about because we were talking about the movie Cube on Valentine's Day at a restaurant. 
Oh, that's so as funny. everyone does is talk about Cube um, on Valentine's Day. Um, oh, right, yes. And we were talking about just like Cube, and then this guy interrupted us and was like, "Are you guys talking about the fourth dimension?" And we were like, "Nope, <laughs> that's not what we were talking about." You but, wish, well, you wish, buddy. He's like, "Have I met, have all, I met then my he brides?" Like, then he like threw a big theory at us that I don't really remember. But then Natasha was like, "Oh, I have this like." Four D, like four sided, like pasta that was, I think was like a test run for this company, um, and so we were like, oh, we should use it to like make something weird, um, and so we like made the pasta and then filled a springform pan, like okay, made like two cool. layers of it with like also with some blanched kale and like um, tomato sauce and then just like a ton of cheese, and it was delicious. That sounds good to tell. I did interpret what you're yeah. saying as four dimensional pasta, the fourth dimension being time. Yes, when you well, first said it, I we was kept like, referring to that to it as four dimensional, and what we really mean is four sided. Yes, uh, yeah. But we kept calling it four D, and honestly, it did feel like it transported us along, um, absolutely, like a, a timeline plane. It could have been four dimensional. How would we conceivably know? How would we interact right. with that concept? Maybe all. I mean, isn't all pasta four dimensional? I mean, it. Yeah, it, I'll it, say it yes. exists in the fourth. Is the fourth? What are the dimensions? <laughs> you, I don't, first of all, I, now I think that guy actually was trying to tell you something important. Like he's Clearly. from the future and he's like, don't make this pasta. Pasta is going to destroy time. Second of all, I don't know what the fourth dimension is. What's Allison, the third? What? Wh- is it like, oh my God. Is this what dimensions oh. are? Like width, height, width, height, and um, length? So it's like if width, you have something length. it has those dimensions? Allison, I'm making you Google it. Google what why is the fourth is time, dimension, please. What? I don't the... know. I and this is the kind of thing where someone probably said that to me in a restaurant one time, and I was like, okay, cool. I'll remember one thing you said. Wait, but 3D is real, right? We Wait. live in the third. We what? live in three. <laughs> yes, we absolutely. I can confirm. We live in three dimensions. <laughs> Um, a two dimension would be like, say, a postulated spatial dimension okay. additional to those determining length, area, and volume. Okay. So, um, and then the second definition is time regarded as analogous to linear dimensions. Oof. I don't know what that means. I, and I, I hear it, and I just, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to sit with it and um, let us know if you think time is the fourth dimension. Boy, every definition I'm reading is uh, making me feel dumber and less attuned to, like, what reality is. I, I do, I you know, sometimes if you're listening to this for the first time, you have to remember Allison and I were raised in a cave. And we we never saw outside. We just saw a shadows dancing on yes. the wall. We thought that yes. was reality. That's we thought that was reality. And about uh, six months ago, we got to leave a cave. Turns out there's all this stuff out here. So we're trying there's, to catch up. We're trying to catch up. Two D, three D. There's so many Ds. <laughs> that is sort of like how I feel about being queer. Like I feel like I came out and then I was like, oh god, there's oh. all this stuff I gotta know in a great way, in a, in a wonderful way. But then sort of. Adding dimension to my own past that I yes. was not aware of, which is, you know, that is time. So that is time. In that way, that's, that's four dimensional. That's the fourth dimension. Existing the human, <laughs> the human spirit, or the human human existence in four dimensions, as conveyed by a pasta, a cake made of pasta. Yes, a cake made out of pasta, which is of course um, time. Yeah, and that would be in the <laughs> Brooklyn Museum by Alison yes. Leiby. Yes, um, and friend, uh, friend of the pod, Natasha. Natasha. Yeah, non rabies um, ever. But yeah, well, guys, we're we're keeping at it. We're just doing off requested yeah. movies, trying to yeah. get in some ones that there's really no reason for us to have not gotten to them. But it just well, was I know time. why we haven't gotten to this one. We've like defended yes. it in our text of why we haven't done it yet. 
Well, I think um, initially the movie we're doing is ho- the original Halloween. And yes. we keep saying we're going to do every Halloween in yes. order sequentially. And then you look at how many there are. How many sequels There's do you like think? 12 or something. You and think, it's just like, yeah. I, what, are we going to do a four-month run of Halloween? I, we should. But I just, I don't know. I feel like I definitely thrive off variety, like off no- novelty. Yeah. So, yeah. So, how to allow for that. Um, we are just going to do it now. And you have requested yeah. a bunch, and we are absolutely thrilled to do it. Jamie Lee Curtis, the oh. only Nepo baby that we're okay with, even though yes. she keeps bringing it up. But I, she just keeps bringing it up as a joke, so I feel like it's fine. Um, yeah. But yes, it's from 1978. And by um, Lord of Lord, Kings, King of Kings, director John Carpenter, we have, of course, done um, The Thing. And then mm-hmm. we will be, we discussed doing They Live for this month, but we're actually going to do They Live in April. So in case you've been yes. waiting for us to do They Live, which is one of my favorites, we will it's also coming. be, it, yeah, it's on its way. Um, he also, as, as we've discussed, I believe um, John Carpenter also composed the music for Halloween, and he composes for many of his films. I mean, it's incredible. so good. I know. Like, imagine having multiple skills as opposed to like one fourth of one skill that yeah, leaves me every yep. day. You know, um, that only is accessible to me for like two hours <laughs> every day, <laughs> and I try and use it. Um, so this was, I mean, this was like a huge hit. Um, this was like. Uh, a hugely uh, successful independent movie that spawned not only more horror movies, but sort of created a boom of independent horror at the time. So this came out in 1978 and is uh, directed uh, and written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, who also produced um, on the film. And Allison, what did you think? And this is one of the things we're doing a movie that's so part of our culture, where even if you haven't seen it, you at least have heard of Michael Myers. You've heard yes. of Laurie Strode. We just had the trilogy to end up uh, to, I mean, I'm sure they're going to do more, right? They keep saying this will be the end of it. And there's yeah. no conceivable way it will be. But um, regardless, uh, what did you think of the Halloween trailer, Allison? I mean, this is one of those movies where I'm excited for us to finally do it because I feel like there are going to be pop culture references. Like, I know, obviously, I'm, like, familiar with Michael Myers and with the the music and, like, all the things. But I feel like it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, I'm going to be watching an episode of, like, The Simpsons and totally yes. get a reference now that I didn't before. Like, in the way that when we did... um. Nightmare on Elm Street? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Did we do that one yet? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. Freddy yeah, Krueger. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've yeah, actually we did two Friday. of them, I believe. I think we did the first and the third. The gay one. Yes. Um, so I'm, you know, excited to finally get the whole story for Halloween. Great. And also, uh, Kyle Richards. Kyle Richards is in this is movie. in this, and as a watcher of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and not a fan of Kyle's, um... I am excited to kind of see where this goes for her. You know, and uh, she plays uh, one of the children in the movie, the little girl, uh, Lindsay Wallace. And I will say she's good in it. A lot of the joke of her character is cutting to her, sitting slack-jawed and horrified in front of, like, a horror movie marathon. (laughs) Okay. But she does a lot of good, like, staring work as a child, Mm -hmm. so. Okay, great. Good. We also like to take a baseline scary. And, you know, we've done slashers, obviously. Sure. Allison, how scary do you find the concept of doubting your own perception of reality? Oh, very. Okay. Very. That comes up all the time. Like, I mean, we just had a conversation about what uh, the dimensions are. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think that my perception of reality is um, 
you know, airtight. And <laughs> Were you absolutely shook to find out there could be a fourth dimension that, that rattled your bones? Part of me was like, aren't there already four? Isn't the fifth one the one? But then I was like, no, fifth dimension is something else. And The Sixth Sense is a movie by M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, right, that's what I'm thinking of. And fi- yeah. Oh, The Fifth Element, that's, yeah. Fifth Element. Yeah, a phenomenal that? film. Yes. That is a, it stars Bruce Willis. It's an action film set in the future. Isn't I, there like a boy band also that's like Fifth? Fifth Harmony Fifth is a girl Harmony. band. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, there's One Direction. I, okay, so this is like a test <laughs> thing if you're in the hospital. After you, <laughs> like, after you le- legally die, like, if you drown and you legally are dead. <laughs> They bring you back up and they ask you to like make a coherent thought. And if you can't, you got to go back in the pond. I'm sorry, you got to go back, go back, in, the back pond, in, baby. Yeah. We'd be right back in that pond. Oh, yeah. They're like, you didn't even die, but we're worried. So. Just back up the truck, lift up the back, and we'll slide back in there, man. You need a, can't wait. a couple more minutes um, until we die. Um, okay, great. Uh, yeah, there's something about that that is, um, there's so many horror movies where we see somebody making the wrong call. And we live, I think America especially, but I imagine in other cultures, mm-hmm. we're so punishing of people for doubting their own, like, for, for being like, yeah. I knew something, I knew it was a red flag, but I did it anyways. But also, we're constantly told to ignore things all the time, and everyone yes. downplays our fears all the time. And, and, and here watching, you know, um, Jamie Lee, you know, as a woman, it does sort of, like, call to mind of, like, I think something's wrong. It's like, aren't you just being like a gross, dumb nerd? Aren't you just being yeah. a real virgin about this? And you're like, yeah. I guess so. Hope I don't get murdered as a result of that assumption. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you agree with me. Um, <laughs> and would you like to guess the twist in Halloween before we get started, Allison? Guess the twist. I mean, uh, Michael Myers has been dead the whole time. He's dead. Iconic. And it is interesting over the number, the franchise, sort of those ideas like that you're yes. pinpointing is what what is he, what is going on, that yeah. kind of thing. Well, this movie is just sort of a straightforward slasher. Okay, great. Fucking banger from John Carpenter. Let us begin ruining the original Halloween so we open with the iconic Halloween music that I'm going to sing right now. Do 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 do. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, hell yeah. Oh, you're better. Way better. Um, so we open on the fictional Haddonfield, Illinois. It is Halloween night, 1963. Also, Deborah Hill grew up in Haddonville, Haddonfield, New Jersey. So it's kind of a nod to her. Um and we open on, of course, the, the iconic killer's POV stalking towards the front door of a white house. Mm-hmm. Um, we it, Throughout the film, uh, the person who's credited later as the adult Michael Myers is referred to as the shape. So I'm going to refer to as, anytime we don't see that Michael Myers directly, I'm going to say the shape. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes. And once, once we're introduced to him, then. Okay. So like, know. yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So we see the shape peer in on a teen couple, Judith Myers, and her boyfriend. They are, of course, very horny. This is the seven, late 70s, the end of the 80s. Horniness was of the day, and they're making on the Wait, couch. Wait, but this is 1963? Yes, I'm sorry. The film was okay. made in 1978. So the film yes, is not yes, a documentary. Yeah. The right. movie, oh. yes, this is 19, 19- I know, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, these poor people. Um, the, in, so this is set in 1963. 
and we are seeing a teen couple, Judith Myers and her boyfriend. They scamper upstairs to fuck, and then we see sort of the shape watching them as the bedroom light upstairs flips off. Um, the person who's POV, we're in, kind of scampers in the back door, and we see them pull out a gigantic butcher's knife, like a two-foot-long fucking butcher's hey. knife. And as they stand in the darkened living room, we see Judith's boyfriend walk down the stairs and say, all right, I'm going to head out. And she said, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. He's like, I, I got a lot of stuff going on. Allison, it's been maybe 30 seconds. Like, they must have had sex for 15 seconds at absolute most. <laughs> to take off their clothes, have sex, and get dressed, and already be halfway it down takes, the stairs. It takes me a minute and a half to get a pair of jeans on or off. Like, oh, that's it, I don't ever. I don't ever want a woman to see me try to take my shoes off. I mean, my God, oh. I'm there for 12 minutes. Yeah, that's half this my guy, day. He probably didn't take off his shoes now that we're Sure, it. now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, just keep the shoes and socks on. And as uh, as he leaves, um, the person, the POV we're following walks upstairs. He leans down and grabs a clown mask and puts it on. So now we get this, like, uh, not only sort of the, the visual of a mask over, over the lens, but also okay. this very close, intense, wet breathing inside the mask. Oh, God. And he approaches Judith, who, as, as you remember from being a teenage girl, is simply sitting at her vanity, combing her hair nude except for her underwear, like you would do, of course. I love brushing my hair nude. I never hit my nipples with the brush and then scream in pain. <laughs> and that's the way to do it. That's how you know you're getting a good brush through, okay? Yeah. You have excruciating nipple pain. And you guessed it, the person whose POV we're following stabs Judith to death. Yes. And as she dies, she screams, Michael! And she collapses. And we see a reverse of the POV, sort of as they run out of the house and we reverse on it, we see the killer is in fact a child in a clown costume. And we see his parents, who are also Judith's parents, arrive. Okay. So it's her little brother? It's her little brother. He is seven or eight. And he stands stupefied like this dead expression holding the, the bloody butcher's knife as his parents run up to him. Cut to October 30th, 1978, 15 years later, Allison. Mm-hmm. We are now okay. at Smith's Grove, Illinois, headed to the Smith's Grove's sanitarium. And okay. we meet our expert. And a lot of this was <laughs> having done... Um, Behind the Mask, uh, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, before the original movies that inspired that movie. These mm-hmm. are kind of those same themes. So we have Dr. Sam Loomis. He is our expert in Michael Myers. Okay. We're going to be following him as well as the people in, in Haddonfield. And he is the one who has the expertise. And my God, Allison. And every time he gets to speak, he gets a monologue about how evil Michael is. It's so great. That's right. Um, He's driving with a nurse, of course, in the pouring rain to get Michael Myers out of the uh, facility he's currently in to take him to a hearing. So it's 15 15 years in, he's due for a hearing. And the nurse says, well, what are we going to do? We have to take him in front of the judge. He says, we're going to give him Thorazine. And the nurse says, I mean, he'll be barely able to stand up if if we give him that. And Lewis says, that's the idea. Oh, And she's sort of, hey, we're already driving. It's rainy. It's the middle of the night. She sort of begins to confront Loomis about his belief that Michael should never be released, which is sort of contrary to the entire concept of releasing. Like, it's like he's been in this facility ostensibly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, can he be rehabilitated? Is being pessimistic about that possibility? Isn't that kind of the problem? 
And he says, no, absolutely not. He can never be released. And she, she says, well, then why are we taking him in front of a judge? And of course he points out, it's the law. We have to do it. We just, mm-hmm. I just really okay. feel like it's a terrible idea and he should never be released. Okay. Unfortunately, Allison, they barely have time to get into that because they pull up to um, Smith's Grove. We see in the pouring rain, like people in, we see a, a, a patient in a white gown standing in the dark, just sort of nope. wandering around. no, no. And she no. says, do they normally let them all wander around like that? No, I'm sure they don't I, let them I, I wander. I bet that's yeah. no facilities plan. Listen, like, I, no one's like, I just let everybody kind of wander around in the dark. At night, when it's <laughs> rain, torrentially raining, like, again, I don't know. I'm not a nurse, but I'm pretty sure I'm that's, pretty like, sure rule number that's one. Bad. Don't let them yeah. wander around in the night at the, in, outside. <laughs> of course, Loomis immediately flags what's going on. He has her stop at the gate, and he gets out to open it. I don't need to tell you, Allison. Michael Myers, in his white gown, immediately runs up the roof of the car. Oh. And the nurse does, and I, this is like, you wouldn't think you'd have to say on this podcast, but we're going to say it. Mm-hmm. If somebody, Michael Myers or anyone else, runs Anyone. onto the roof of your car. Keep do, driving. Do not roll down your fucking window. No. She's a, she what? rolls it down what? immediately. There is Allison? no part of... I, there are so many things I would do before I would do that. Right. Also, like, yeah, back up. Like, hit the, throw things in reverse right. and back the fuck up so he tumbles right. forward so you can Drive put him with your off. headlines. Right. Drive onto the lawn. Also, what was she going to say? Oh, hello. Why are yeah. you on my roof? You know why he's on your roof. On your roof. He's Michael fucking Myers, he's right? He's going to kill you. That's, he, that's what he's up to. Yeah. So, of course, he reaches through the fucking open window and grabs her hair. <clears throat> she slams on the gas. Which we've also seen in horror movies is don't do this either. If you're if something bad's happening in your car, don't slam on the gas. Bring no. the car to a dead stop. Come on, pull it together, people. What's everybody doing? But I know these rules now. I guess this is like one of the first movies. Yes, we had to learn as a culture from this. Yes, movie. even though like general common sense would have told you not to do any of these things. But again, I guess it's all it's easy to say when Michael Myers is not grabbing our hair and pulling That's us true. out of the driver's seat of a car. So she's fighting him off, and she's able to finally wrench free and then sort of dives into the passenger seat. He leans out, and he smashes in the passenger side window. I don't need to tell you, by the grace of God, this nurse is able to get out of the car. Michael is able to steal the car. Of course he is. Next stop, Haddonfield. And Dr. Loomis runs over. And every moment of this is Dr. Loomis being like, I told you people this was going to happen. Yes. I told you. And he screams, it's gone. The evil, it's gone. I have a question. Yes, go ahead. Are we going to, and you don't have to tell me the answer to this now, but like, do we get a satisfying reason for like what spurned him to like kill? Or is it good, Is it the kind of thing where it's like, ah, he's just fucking crazy? I think this is one of these classic movies that people have written a lot of sto- like um, papers on specifically because it's not specifically uh, spelled out. So it is sort okay. of like, this is to me the movie that is like the knife is phallus. You know, like the sure. virgin as hero. Okay. You know, the um, like the nude woman, the temptress as like, you know, the knife going into the feminine form. Okay. But we're not going to get some like crazy backstory revealed of like why he's like this. No. Okay. At least not in this I film. just wanted to like set, yeah, in this, I just wanted to like set myself up for like. No, no. Knowing that that's not coming. <laughs> yes. No, this is a, this is a good old fashioned slasher. Great. And why is he slashing? Because he loves to slash. He loves to slash. And maybe he's evil, but it's more about the slashing for him at this point. Okay. Okay. 
The next morning, it's Halloween morning. Everyone's waking up, opening their Halloween presents. And we are in little sleepy Haddonfield, Illinois. It's adorable, you know, bucolic suburbs. And we see Laurie Strode, a teenager played by uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. And she's headed out to work just as her father's also leaving. He says, be sure to drop off the key at the Myers place. We find out he is a uh, real estate agent. They are tempting. Someone is actually going to go see the Myers place, which has stood open. Empty. Sorry. It's just stood empty since mm. the murders. So it's been 15 years. Somebody might actually. Would you move into that house? Yeah, I would. Yeah. I with again, giving, given what, where we're at with housing. Not right away. I wouldn't say like I would move in like a day after somebody got murdered. But like, I think once we're a year out, I'd be fine. It's a good question because it, it, the question always falls to like, is the house part of it? And sometimes the house is part of it. And other times the uh, the evil travels with whatever person or whatever entity yes. that we're following. Yeah. So I would, knowing myself, and if things went wrong, I would simply accept that this is a possibility. Then again, I assume I'm going to get murdered in my apartment I rent right now. So I don't know. Yeah, I, also know. like every structure in this country is built on top of somewhere that something terrible has happened. So just because it's modern Absolutely, doesn't mean it's yeah. the only uh, atrocity. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, people could have been murdered in every single person's home. We would have no way of knowing. Like, people still live in the South, you know? It's like... <laughs> well, I mean, I... Well, and that's a whole... I mean... Yeah. <laughs> listen, as, as people still have um, weddings at plantation, plantations. We're plantations, which... Yes. Um, yeah, I uh, we got a we got a bad relationship with the past. We want to live in denial, and we again are reaping all of it. We reap what we sow, yeah. and because uh, we forget that we sowed it, and then it's like, oh yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, that stuff. All that stuff that we have bad to reap. Stuff. Um. I, anywho, so uh, yeah, so Lori, she's headed to school. She's gonna drop off the key, put it under the uh place. Uh, the oh my God, the placement. Put it under the mat in front yes. of the door. While she's walking, she runs into Tommy Doyle, a little boy who she's babysitting that night. And he excitedly runs, he's like, are we going to carve jack letters? Are we going to eat popcorn? Are we going to read scary stories to me? And she's like, absolutely, we're going to do it all. And they arrive at the Myers house. And he says, no, you can't go up there. Like, Lonnie Ellum says it's haunted and people were murdered there. It's a spook house. And, of course, Lori says, don't worry about it. That's 15 years ago, way before you were born. She goes up to put the key under the map. Unfortunately, Allison, this is what sort of links Lori to the story is just, we see a figure inside the door. And he sees her. And that's kind of what, what, that's all the, just Whoa. the first galley saw, he said, I would have set my sights right, on you, Lori. that's it. You know, and so Lori and Tommy had, they part ways. But Tommy, she doesn't know that she was seen by someone. No, so she has okay. not yet seen the figure, she, or the shape, she the will shape. see it. Um, Lori and Tommy part ways. Uh, Tommy goes to the elementary school. Lori heads to the high school. And Michael Myers stands on the fucking sidewalk watching Lori walk off down the street. Someone has a little crush. It seems that way. Back at Smith's Grove, Dr. Loomis is going off on, like, going apeshit on their head doctor, head asylum guy, who's like, just calm down. I'm sure everything will work out. Dr. Loomis like, ah, how, how do I tell you this? It's not going to be fine. And he goes, I want you to get on the phone with the police and tell them exactly who walked out of here last night and exactly where he's going. And asylum daddy is like, no, no. Haddonfield is 150 miles away. He doesn't know how to drive. He's been in this facility since he's been eight. <laughs> Besides, why would we? We don't know that he's going to go there. It's like 
Well, he doesn't Where, know anywhere else. Right. He's not like, oh, finally, I can go to <laughs> Cleveland where I've always dreamed of visiting. Like, right. it's Daytona he's going Beach, baby. To the place. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, where else would someone who had this particular history go? Like, what are you talking right. about? Like, that's like a good, like, I guess, like, if there are other, like, he could just be like, I'm just getting a, as far away as possible. But, like, start with that. Like, yeah. start with, how, yeah, anyway. Um, I completely agree. So back in class, Lori is sort of daydreaming and a teacher gives, again, an iconic, like the, the the lesson that is tying us back to the movie. And the lesson we're supposed to take is this is about fate. They were fated. She is fated to have met Michael. This is just what it was going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And the teacher ends whatever she was reading with this sentence, which is so fucking great. And she says, And the book ends. And I love that they were like, <laughs> just have it the book end. It's like, I literally am going to say the book the ends. The book ends. Um, and he's, they're talking about these characters. It's like, no matter what course of action Collins took, he was destined to his own fate. And Lori looks outside. Allison, she sees Michael fucking Myers, like from the neck up with the mask, just staring at her the from mask. behind a parked car. Allison, he has a white mask. That is, it's sort of spray painted white. Yes. And apparently in the mask is a um, Captain Kirk mask in, okay. re- in real life that they sort of spray painted. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's, um, and it's something that were you to see someone standing across the street behind a car wearing it, <sighs> you would say, hello, teacher. Something's, I, something's wrong. Something's wrong. But Lori, we're to understand is like, she's very mousy. She's very intellectual. She's very insecure. She is our, again, our virgin hero. Mm-hmm. So I think she immediately starts to be like, oh, I must have, you know, it's Halloween. Actually, it was a guy with a mask on Halloween. So he, she yeah. just got to sort of downplay it. And it's true. It is Halloween. You can't get around yeah, that. Yeah, I guess I would, I would probably give it benefit of the doubt right. on it, Halloween. Yeah. If you saw that on, say, St. Patrick's Day or... You know, just like eh, Thursday, Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, then yeah. I absolutely you got to call the cops. But again, okay, so weird guy with a mask, and the teacher sort of startles Lori out of her reverie with a question about fate, and basically is the idea: is it only tied to religion, or is it a natural force like earth, wind, and fire, which is also an excellent band? Incredible. Or what I would suggest is: is it real at all? But those are the two options: like, is it a religious? Is God involved, or is it simply? We are all brought to our fate, and it's inescapable. She she gives an extremely erudite answer. When she looks back, Michael's gone. So again, she's thinking, okay, <laughs> it's probably made it up in my head. Some guy. Just some guy. That night, um, the bell rings at elementary school, and all the kids scamper out, and three kids uh, bully Tommy mercilessly. And they're like, the boogeyman's going to get you tonight. The boogeyman's going to get you. Until Tommy, who was holding a giant pumpkin that he was wants to carve into a jack-o'-lantern with Lori— he tries to run and he falls on top of it and crushes the pumpkin. And I was like, no, why? why? So all the other little boys run off laughing and one of them runs directly into a man in a ragged jumpsuit and it's Michael. But again, this kid's like, oh, a weird guy in a gross costume. It's Halloween. Right. We find out that Michael is in a is still driving the stolen car, which is like a state of Illinois, like state almost like a state trooper cruiser. Mm-hmm. So it's like brown and it has a seal the stand of Illinois and it has like the cage in the back, unfortunately. You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. it's a police cruiser. He starts driving behind Tommy as Tommy walks home. And there is a moment where Dr. Loomis 
when they address that, when Dr. Lewis is tr- trying to chew out the um, the head of the asylum, he's like, well, he can't even drive. How would he drive a car? And Dr. Lewis is like, I don't know. Maybe somebody taught him. And they never address that because he's absolutely a great driver. Yeah. And also then did someone drive him? And I don't know. I haven't seen all the sequels. I hope to God they address that. Because yeah, you I- can't just jump in a car and drive. I don't think that they're ever going to address that. Yeah, that's, you know what, Elsie, when you're right, you're right. I just don't think. <laughs> so Dr. Lewis, luckily he can drive. So he's making his way to uh, Haddonfield. He stops at a payphone right by the train track to call Haddonfield police to say, um, this is what's happening. I'm going to be there, but I need to talk to you. You need to be on the lookout for Michael Myers. Yes. Allison, you're not going to believe this. They don't believe him. They're like, this is a Halloween prank. We are sick of these Halloween pranks. See, this is why I hate hate prank culture. Yes. It's dangerous. So you're saying that the reason, the, the dangerous thing about Michael Myers is that somebody did pranks before and then we didn't trust that it was him. That's the dangerous thing about prank culture. Yes. Okay, great. Sticky <laughs> with that. <laughs> like, I, like, that's why I hate pranks. Yeah. It's no, not why I sense. hate Michael Myers. I hate Michael Myers because he's a murderer. <laughs> and, and Loomis snarls at the police, if you don't believe me, it's your funeral. Just then, he sees a truck abandoned by the side of the road, and he picks up a matchbook for a bar called The Rabbit in Red, and he runs back to his car. But we pan over, and we see the driver's corpse, which has been stripped in the underbrush. So in case you're wondering, where did Michael get coverall, like coveralls okay. because he was in a hospital gown? He murdered and stole okay. from, I guess, a maintenance man. Okay. So that guy at just happened to be the wrong place. Up. Yeah. Yeah, wrong place at the wrong time. After school, Lori walks with her friend Linda, who's like, oh my God, I have chair practice. Then I have to get my hair done tomorrow. And then we have the dance tomorrow. I don't have barely any time to do anything and have sex with my boyfriend constantly. And Lori, you know, again, she's the mousy one. She's the virgin. She's like, well, as usual, I have nothing to do. (laughs) Their friend Annie catches up with them. And also, Annie is also much cooler than Lori. And she's like, oh my God, my boyfriend Paul, he got busted for some wholesome Halloween pranks, like throwing eggs. And soaping windows, and he can't this hang economy? out tonight. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. I was like, I guess throwing eggs really it was a much bigger thing in the 80s. Yeah. Now, not wasting eggs. Throwing it, throw in my mouth. I'll pay <laughs> you to throw an egg at me, and I'll catch it. I won't. It'll just hit me, but I'll still pay you to do it. <laughs> Lori points out to um, Annie, I thought you were babysitting tonight. And Linda's like, oh, the only reason that uh, she babysits at a place they can, you know, and so they're extremely horny while Lori, again, is, you know, she doesn't have anything going on. Mm-hmm. She's sort of like the one who's like a little bit, a little bit behind, a little bit of the the younger feeling uh, friend. Just then, the car that Michael Myers was driving cruises by. And uh, Linda mistakes it for their, uh, like. <laughs> I imagine him just kind of like super reclined, just like one hand on the steering wheel, just like pretty much cruising. He's, he's very <laughs> confident. He's just making his way through these suburbs. And they mistake it for, like, one of the sheriff's office's cars. But it's kind of booking it. And uh, uh, Annie screams, like, speed kills, jerk. And the car screeches to a stop down the block. And they all have a moment of, "Uh uh-oh, is that guy going to get out there? Fortunately, he just keeps driving. Of course, you know, Lori's like, Annie, one day you're going to get us in deep trouble. Turns out that Annie is going to be babysitting, essentially, across the street from Lori. So Annie mm-hmm. is uh, going to be babysitting Lindsay Wallace, played by uh, Kyle Richards, and uh, 
and Lori will be babysitting Tommy Doyle. So they're saying like, oh, maybe we could bring the kids over to one house, you know. Yeah. Put them together, do something fun or whatever. Um, Linda said, okay, well, I'll just be hanging out with my boyfriend and we'll stop by and say hi because we're just going to be driving around and having sex in his car. You know, that's what being a teen is, you know. Yeah, it is. And um, so they, they, she leaves, Linda leaves them, Annie and Lori walk on. As they're walking, Lori spots Michael sort of peering out from behind a bush. And he tells us, like, that's the guy from the car. He's behind that bush. I don't know if I'd be like, oh, that guy. Like, that's the guy. Like, I I think I'm, I don't think he's a guy. Well, okay. That's the scary being. Like, I like I don't think I would like associate like that mask is so fucking scary. Yes, you would you so your default is you would assume it's a monster rather than a man in yeah, a mask. Yeah. Yes. And I think that maybe that is probably what he is if we were to take a sixty thousand foot un- view. Yes. But he was like the guy from the fucking it was standing behind the car. He's behind that bush. And Annie runs over thinking, oh, this guy's a creep, he's following us. And she runs over and then she looks back, she said, Lori, he wants to take you out tonight. Come over here. But of course, when Lori approaches, there's nobody there. And Annie's like, damn, Lori, we got to get you a fucking date. You're out here just seeing men that aren't there. And Lori says, men think I'm too smart. None of them want to date me. And I felt so bad for her. I was like, girl, you're going to have bigger problems. You're you're doing great. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't worry about dating. Yeah. Being a teen is hard. Get worse. Annie peels off to her house, and Lori runs headlong into Annie's dad, Sheriff Lee Brackett, who sort of is walking up his front steps. And she says, oh, I'm sorry. He says, ah, we both got scared. It's Halloween. I think we all deserve at least one big scare, huh? Do we? You're absolutely right, Sheriff. Don't scare just, me. Just as she's about to walk inside, Lori hears a voice in the distance saying, no, no. Only realize it's kids starting to trick or treat. So there's just a bunch of kids like running and shouting on the street. Allison, Lori goes inside her home and ends up, she's looking into the backyard through a window. Happens to glance what looks to be Michael Myers standing behind the laundry hung up to dry. So it's sort of billowing no. in the wind. And when no. she blinks, he's gone. Allison, in that situation, what would you do? What would you do? Boy, oh boy. I'm canceling my babysitting job. I'm calling the police. I'm going and locking myself in my closet in my parents' house. <laughs> I am not... Yeah, I would absolutely lose hanging my around shit. to find I out. Would, I would, or I'd run back to Linda or Annie's house. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm telling someone. That's for sure. That's yeah. the first thing I'm doing. You know, and my reaction to this was first, like, make sure your kids know that you could actually tell them things because yeah. there's really no moment where she thinks I'll tell an adult, I'll tell my parents. Mm-hmm. It's just not part of the conversation. I understand they had to do that in order to sort of. You know, Make the movie happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Like teens alone, not feeling like they could t- talk to anybody. But this is a, a, I think if someone's standing in your backyard, look, standing in your laundry, I think you can no. go ahead and tell somebody. Especially if it's someone you saw earlier in the day. Like, yeah, you've seen them tw- at least twice at now. At least twice. Like at this point, it's like, okay, that's a guy. Yeah. And he's now in my house. I can believe him. Yeah. But again, I get, you know, and I, and I hate to gender everything, but I'm like, oh, you know, being a woman in the 70s, you're like, I guess that some guy's stalking me. I'm supposed to shut up about it. There's a serial killer. Nobody's mentioning the fact that they're a bunch of serial killers. So I will right. simply pretend I didn't see it. Yes. Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. 
IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be that chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess, so IKEA makes storage affordable. Price drop, time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. The phone rings, and she picks it up, and she just hears wet chewing on the other end. Nope. Oof, which really got me. No, that She is. hangs up, and then Annie picks up again. It's like, why did you hang up? He says, I was just chewing. I had food in my mouth. Couldn't you hear me? It's like, yeah, I could hear you. Why, Why did you do that? Finish eating where you called me, bitch. But they sort of confirm Annie's going to pick up Lori and drive her over to the neighborhood where they're both babysitting. And after that, Lori, who's still kind of rattled but from seeing Michael, lays down on her bed and tells herself, calm down. Calm down. You're being ridiculous. Later, Lori goes, um, she just sort of waits on the corner with a pumpkin for Tommy to carve. And she's watching all the kids in the neighborhood run around doing trick-or-treat. It's very fun and cute. Um, she ops, hops into Annie's car when she pulls up, and Annie hands her a joint and says, we have just enough time. So there's splitting a joint. And it was like that 70s weed. You know what I mean? Yeah, now yeah, I feel yeah. like if you smoke uh, like a no. joint while you're driving, your no. car will fly to the air and yes, go to the moon. That's, yeah, you are now in the fourth dimension. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, where everything is pasta. Um, <laughs> but there's really there. a joint. And meanwhile, Dr. Lewis has arrived in town. And he he know, he knows Michael Myers. He's been at it. He's working with him for 15 years. He goes to the cemetery. And he finds the groundskeeper to show him Judith Myers' grave. Mm-hmm. And the and the guards here are like, oh, my God. You know, every small town has a story like that. You know, there's Charlie Bowles. He's in the next town over. You know, he got himself a hacksaw one night. And he... Kiss his wife and children goodbye, and then you won't believe it. And Dr. Loomis basically is like, ew, stop. Where is the gravestone? Allison, they've arrived at Judith Meyer's grave. Her tombstone is just gone. Mm. The groundskeeper, as many people will do in this movie, is like, these damn kids. It's like, oh, yeah, stop you know what your friends— everything is a prank. Yeah, like, a man, well, I mean, listen, and that's easy. That's coming from you, of all people. You can't yeah. assume everything's a prank. Nope. But you know when you and your friends steal a 200-pound slab of stone? Right. Oh, like, what a fun prank. Like, it's, a, like, you can't, I could, if you were like, hey, you get, you and and several people um, are responsible for getting this tombstone out of the ground, I'd be like, no, we can't. We can't, we, how, how would we do it? <laughs> we can't. We, no, it's like back in the pond with you. You got to get in the pond. You can't be down here. Of course, Dr. Loomis immediately knows what's happened. He, Michael Myers is actually in town, and he says, so he came home. Back in Annie's car, Lori and Annie get fucking blazed, and they listen to the best song ever fucking written, okay? And I, I know there are young people who listen to this. I need you to, as soon as this episode's over, to immediately put on Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult. It is my favorite song. It has been my favorite song since I was a child. It's fucking, it fucking slaps. It's, Allison, your thoughts on Don't Fear the Reaver? Obviously an iconic song. Iconic. For horror specifically. I mean, and uh, we've gone on and on about the outrageously sexy acoustic version that yes. plays in the first Scream when Sydney and Billy 
um, almost hook up. Hell yeah. Oh, it's so hot. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, so I just want to say they are listening to, as they should, the best the, song ever written. The best song ever, especially for horror movies, but also... In general. Yeah. Behind them, Allison, they do not see that Michael Myers is basically tailgating them. <laughs> so Michael <laughs> Myers does so much driving in this movie. And luckily, again, Shocking. They're, they're smoking that, like, 70s seeds and stem shit, so they're good yeah. to go. But Annie sees her father, the sheriff, and a bunch of sheriff's deputies outside the hardware store. And she freaks out. She's like, that's my dad. Put it out. And so they're trying to, like, hide the joint and screaming at each other. They pull over, and the sheriff and his fellow cops are, you know, in front of this hardware store. He tells them, some damn kids broke into the hardware store. They took some rope, knives, and a Halloween mask. Oh, those damn kids, Allison. What do you do? What what do they do with with that? I mean, why would a hardware store sell a Halloween mask? I guess because it's Halloween. Everything Halloween is chalked up to Halloween. You know what I mean? They're all like, well, Halloween. Yeah, there is. Yes, exactly. I don't know. Other than that, I guess that's true. Like, if I went to a hardware store on Halloween, I wouldn't be that shocked. Right? I guess. Well, I don't know. So they drive on just as Dr. Loomis arrives, sort of from the opposite direction, to confront the sheriff and say, I called earlier, I need to talk to you. And the sheriff says, give me 10 minutes, we're going to wrap up this crime scene, and I will talk to you. And of course, as Dr. Loomis stands there waiting for the police, he doesn't see Michael Myers driving by following the girls. Great. In the car, Lori, who have established a goody two-shoes, is panicking. It's like, oh my God, your dad knew we were high, your dad's the sheriff. And Lori's like, <laughs> it's, or, and Annie says, it's fine. It's absolutely, totally fine. And, you know, they're sort of talking about the dance, and uh, Annie's going with her boyfriend to the dance the next day, and she's sort of teasing Lori, but then realizes that Lori is actually really sad that she's not going. So Annie and Linda are both going with their boyfriends. Lori ain't got no boyfriend. And Annie tells her, you know, you could still ask somebody. Like, I, there'd be plenty of people who would love to go with you. And Lori's like, no, you could ask somebody. I can't ask somebody. And he said, but if I were to ask somebody, it would be Ben Tramer. And Annie immediately is like, ooh, Ben Tramer. So then immediately Lori shuts down again and regrets tell, saying anything. Yes. And he's like, oh, so you do think about boys like that. You know, and Lori's like, I forget it. I, 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 I didn't mean to bring it up. You know, she's like blushing. And because of this fun camaraderie, they don't notice that Michael Myers is, is on their tail, Allison. They're he's too hanging. busy having fun. And that's why this really is to me why it's such a standout of this genre. It's all, I mean, every part of it. But then, like, these moments of, like, intimacy and, like, establishing the characters. Yeah. It's just these little things, but then you really do care. Like, I'm invested. I'm like, I wanted to live to go to the dance with Ben Tramer. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so I I don't know, just that moment, like, this is, you know, John John Carpenter, a genius. They get to uh, the neighborhood in question. Annie goes in to babysit, uh... Lindsay, Lori goes in to watch Tommy. They split up for a minute, and they're, you know, sort of setting up the kids in there. Meanwhile, Michael is just basically staking out the houses to figure out how to get his murder on, you know? He's just around. He's just lurking. He's lurking, looming, standing in the shadows, looking through the eyes of his mask. Meanwhile, Dr. Loomis and the sheriff arrive at the old Meyer place. And again, the sheriff's like, nobody's been in here for— 15 years. It literally, it's been abandoned since after the murder. Allison, inside they found a dead dog. It is still warm. And Dr. Luba says, he got hungry. The sheriff's like... I'm sorry. What? The sheriff said, a man wouldn't do that. Like, a human wouldn't do that. And Dr. Lewis shakes his head and says, 
this isn't a man. And also shout out to Donald Pleasance, who is the the actor who plays mm. Dr. Loomis, who is chewing through these fucking scenes. I and it. I love it. It's so good. So they go up to the bedroom and Dr. Loomis is sort of walking the sheriff like through the attack. Like what happened? You know, suddenly Michael comes in, stabs her to death. While he's talking, suddenly the window shatters and they jump back, but it's just the gutter, because the house is kind of falling apart, has mm-hmm. detached from the house and smashed into the pane. Loomis tells the sheriff about meeting Michael. So he met Michael like immediately after the crime. And he describes okay. him, you know, at six years old. He said he has the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Mm. Allison, we've talked about this before, but just to revisit, how do you feel about the concept of some people being born evil? How do we feel about that? I mean, I guess some people are. But how could we ever know that? You know, like, what, we can't. how could we, you know, rather, let's get, you know, intervention? You know, who knows? I don't know Michael's upbringing. Right. It's like, I want to believe that no one is born evil. I, I want to believe that, too. Um, and the idea of evil being so subjective. I mean, this well, being very clear, but evil in general. People yes. are always calling things evil. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. If you kill people... That's it's not bad. a great look. It's not a great. I do. Yeah, I guess it's like this is the one I'll example. Say it. Killing yeah. people is bad. Thank you. Thank you for standing up for people who don't want to. Somebody be had to say it. But I guess it is sort of like that's that's why we struggle or struggle struggle slash are titillated by serial killers. Yeah, it's because there are situations where people do kill people, and it's maybe not understandable, but it seems more human. Yeah, and then serial killers, it's just for killing, or it's yeah. just to get their hands on a corpse. Yeah. And that's when things start to be like, I don't know if that maybe evil's maybe not the right word, but whatever it is, it, it ain't good. It ain't good. And are you born like that? I don't know. But then you have so many serial know. killers who are abused and like right. have horrible things happen. It's like if they had been able to be in a household that was not- Not abusive. Abusive or, yeah. or you know, like or, like Charles Manson was, you know, basically put in a children's, like a prison for children, you know, when he was a, a child- Mm-hmm. And the horrible things that happened to them, it's like, well, that probably does explain why these people end up that way. Yes. But we're to understand that Michael is so evil that he is not, not really just, even human anymore. Yeah, that he is just evil incarnate. So that's why Dr. Loomis says, okay, I'm just going to wait here for him to come back. Okay. I'm going to wait here alone at the house. And the sheriff says, you know, I, I can call the radio and TV stations. Like, we'll put out a report. And Dr. Loomis says, no, no, it's Halloween. People will see him on every corner. It'll actually be more cover for him, like the panic. So it's better your men keep your eye, their eyes open and their mouths shut. I don't know about that, Allison. I don't know if that that's doesn't seem true. smart. No. Yeah, I don't think so. Right? Oh, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the sheriff says, okay, I'll check back with you in an hour. Okay, great. Um, back at the babysitter's club, Lori gets a call from Annie from across the street. And she's trying to talk to her while Lester, the family German shepherd, is going crazy on her. Until she finally lets the dog out of the into the backyard, and Annie keeps calling for Lindsay to like, it's your dog. I'm not dealing with your dog. And every time we cut to Lindsay, they're watching like a six hour horror movie marathon. And again, Lindsay's also seven or eight, so she's just right. sitting in the couch like <gasps> for six hours, not yeah. even responding to what Annie is saying to her, which is again a fun, That's fun, you know. Okay, so the dog comes is coming down. 
Annie says, tells Lori, I have some news. I called Ben Tramer for you, and I told him that you were wildly attracted to him, and he has agreed to go to the dance with you. Ah. And this is objectively great news, but because Lori is in high school, I absolutely would have the same uh, reaction, which is, how could you tell him? Yes. I'm so embarrassed. Right. Right. No. It's like, it all worked out. He's going to go to the dance with you, and it's still like- He wants to like, go to the dance with you. Yeah, like, it's he like, also well, he can't know that I want to go to the dance with him, and it's like, bitch, you're going to the dance. Uh, right, yeah, like, it's <laughs> our, the problem you're running into, it's already solved. It's already solved. I solved it to you. It's already and solved. I, and I was like, Andy is a great friend because that's absolutely like, oh, well, Lori never would have invited him. Never exactly. would have asked him. No, you yeah. need somebody to kind of be like, I'm just going to make this happen because you're never going to do anything about it. Exactly. And fortunately, while they're freaking out, Tommy looks out the front window and sees Michael Myers standing, staring into Annie's house or the house cool. that Annie is babysitting at. And he runs to tell Lori, he's like, the, I, the boogeyman's outside. But of course- you know, just using the word boogeyman, she's like, okay, yeah. you're making that up. By the time Lori gets to the front window, we don't see Michael Myers anymore. Okay. While on the phone, Annie is making popcorn, and she spills hot buttered popcorn all over herself, Allison. And you know when that happens, when you spill hot popcorn all over yourself, so you have to completely strip down what? in the house that you're no. babysitting in and no. put on like a, be- a men's button down where you're just wearing a men's button down and panties. You know when that happens to you all yeah. the time? Because yeah, you know when you put I've on there. someone there. else's dad's shirt? Like what? Also, I was like, damn, how much butter were you heating up? Like, <laughs> Also, like, happened? did you get hurt? Like, I mean, or, yeah, like, how about the scalding butter hurt you? Um. But outside, we hear Michael shatters like a flower pot. I'm assuming to draw her attention outside. Lester, who's a very good dog, finds Michael Myers and starts barking at him. But because he's been barking the entire time, Annie doesn't attribute anything to it. Right. And just as she's about to start complaining to Lindsay, like, you have to go get deal with that dog. It's your dog. We hear the dog sort of whimper and his barking stops. Mm. And you see Michael Myers strangle the dog. So I'm sorry to everyone. Um, it didn't, they didn't really do it. It, it wasn't really, I, I looked course. it up. The dog survived in real life. Across the street, Lori and Tommy are going to watch the original The Thing, which I thought was like a fun nod from John yeah. uh, John Carpenter. And um, he, he's like obsessed. He's like, I saw the boogeyman. He was on the um, lawn. Uh, the kids at school told me the boogeyman was going to get me tonight. That He's showing up. But again, Lori tells him, this is, everyone's playing tricks. Everyone's in a costume. Everyone's playing pranks. They said that to trick you. You know, there's mm-hmm. no real boogeyman and you're safe with me. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, over at the Wallace's, Annie goes to wash off her butter-covered clothes in the laundry room, which is like a separate shed, which I thought was really interesting. Hmm. Wouldn't you know it, Allison? She locks herself inside the shed. And the phone starts ringing inside. It's her boyfriend, Paul. He's trying to get in touch with her. And Lindsay pick, picks up the phone and runs over to the laundry room only to find Annie caught in the window, ass out, again, underwear exposed, with her foot tangled in the laundry room accoutrement. Okay. Like it's happened to us, all of us, a million times. I'm constantly getting stuck in the laundry room shed. Well, your ass is out like you're fucking yeah. Winnie the Pooh. This happens constantly. Lindsay helps her inside, and Annie makes Lindsay promise, as much of a, as a child could promise, never tell anyone about how I got stuck in the window. And they go inside, and Lindsay picks up the phone to say, hi, Paul, I got her. She was stuck in the window, which I did think was, Kyle, Kyle did a good job with that. Funny. Meanwhile, Annie and Paul chat. It turns out his parents, even though he was grounded for egging, his parents are going out, so he's going to sneak out to fuck. But he okay. said, uh, you have to come pick me up. And she's like, I don't, I'm babysitting. What are you talking about? 
Also, she says, I have laundry. I'm like, well, it's more about the child. You have to keep, like, the laundry will be there. I don't think you have to worry about that. Yeah, it's not as pressing as the, keeping yeah. the kid alive. But Annie isn't a total idiot, so she takes Lindsay over to Lori and Tommy. So the kids are going to be together and play while, while Annie runs her errand, which is to fuck her boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. And we see other kids trick-or-treating. And I don't understand why the kids that they were babysitting weren't trick-or-treating. I, I, I wasn't sure. Right. But who's to say? Different traditions. All the time, Michael Myers is watching them from the shadows, watching Annie bring Lindsay over to the other house. The kids run off to play. Lori laughs at the fact that Annie is wearing button down, no pants. And she says, Annie, I need you to call Ben and call off the date for the dance. I, I can't do it. I'm too nervous. Okay. Annie tells her, you watch Lindsay for, let's see, about an hour so I can fuck my boyfriend. And I'll consider talking to Ben Tramer for you. How about that? And... Lori says, okay, I'll allow it. So for time time to die, Annie. Okay, mm. so she walks back over. She walks over to the Wallace's garage and realizes that the car is locked. And I was like, she, so she goes into the house to get a set of keys. And it makes you think like, oh, the rhythms of the 80s were so different mm-hmm. because she went to the car assuming that the keys would be inside. Like was, they would have just left the keys in there. Right. Which is just Wild. not something you're seeing that anymore. Like it's no, like the rhythm no of the 90s were- relaxed and suburban. I mean, for, I mean, for white people living in this situation. In the sun, right, right, exactly. Unlike the rhythms of the 90s, which were, which were the rhythms of the night. Oh, night. I love that oh, song. Oh, yeah. So she gets in the car, and again, another, another excellent moment of filmmaking. She sits down and then realizes that all the windows are fogged up. <gasps> and you see her realize, like, why would the windows be fogged up? It's like someone's been breathing inside the car. Someone's inside the car. She doesn't have one, like, as soon as she figures it out, Michael lunges forward and starts strangling to her to death. And she she's trying to honk the horn. Oh her head is falling forward. It's too late. Mm. While the kids are watching TV over um, at the Doyle's house, Tommy hides behind a curtain and sort of calls to Lindsay in a spooky voice. Now he's being the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he then turns to look outside and he sees Michael Myers carrying Annie's corpse into the Wallace's house. He, of course, fucking okay. freaks out. Yeah, he that's screams. Shit. Yeah, he screams. Lindsay's freaked out. And he calls to Lori. Lori runs in and says, I saw the boogeyman. I saw the boogeyman. Of course, once again, when Lori assumes that it's just Halloween. You know what I mean? Like, also, I've been letting you watch six hours of horror movies. Anyone in a mask is going to be the boogeyman. She looks outside. There's nobody there. And we see Tommy's kind of pouting. He says, nobody believes me. But Lindsay comforts him and says, I believe you, Tommy. Allison, at this point, I got to ask you, who will survive this movie? survive well because there are many films in this franchise i know michael myers survives um and jamie lee curtis um and kyle richards (laughs) survives and how do you you feel about linda linda the other friend Mm, she's good at somebody we need a body count so somebody else has to go and then Dr. Loomis, do you think he's getting out of it uh, alive? I feel like that character is probably in another movie <laughs> at some Wonderful. point. Um, you need a Michael Myers expert to have 20 films. So I'm going to guess that he survives, though. I could see a world where he does not. All right, great. Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess. 
whether it be that chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess, so IKEA makes storage affordable. Price drop, time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Um, so back at the Myers house, Dr. Loomis is, he's not even just waiting inside. He's basically waiting behind a bush outside. Sure. So again, these, these little, uh, jerkwads who were torturing Tommy earlier, they're sort of daring each other to sneak up onto the, onto the porch. And Loomis hides behind a shrub and says, Hey, Lonnie, get your ass away from there. And the kids run away screaming. And Loomis has this like smile, like he's very proud of himself. You were trying to stop a serial killer. Yeah. Don't, you shouldn't be having so much fun. No. It was a serious the sh- business. The sheriff startles Loomis, of course, coming up behind him and says like, hey, I've got my best men, I all four of them. Like, I can't imagine there are that many cops in this town. We're looking all over. There's been no hide nor hair of him. I don't think that he necessarily, you know, is here. I, I think maybe he may have fled and because and, there's no evidence that he would have showed up. And Loomis says, Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You can either ignore it or you can help me to stop it. Sheriff says, okay, I I will wait and I will wait with you and we'll see if he eventually comes back to the house. Meanwhile, Linda and her boyfriend, Bob, who is, they are drinking and driving and they pull up in front of the Wallaces looking to hang out with um, Annie and Lindsay and more importantly, to use one of the spare bedrooms in the Wallaces' home to, of course- for fucking, right. They find a totally dark house with an unlocked front door, and they do the most natural thing, which is, the of 80s. course, start making out on the couch. Yeah. Meanwhile, Michael Myers, who I guess we'd assume has never had sex. He could drive his ca- a car, but I can't imagine Michael Myers could fuck at no, this point. No, no. but I mean, who knows? You know what I mean? But I mean, he's been in a facility. So I guess you would make, naturally make, have relationships I with guess people. It depends, but then like, it's like, what they're, you know, like, is he in isolation that whole time or is he right, socializing yeah. with the other guests? Yeah, can he socialize? Does he, yeah. he doesn't seem to have right. a lot of social is skills. Small, so maybe that wouldn't he, have happened. Is he small talking, uh, getting coffee? Does he get horny? Does, Does he, he have a sex horny? drive? He has yeah. a murder drive, but have they been totally sublimated into one another? Right. And then it's simply the murder? We don't know. They don't get into it in this film. Just some for us to think about. Cool. Um, Michael Myers watches them start to hook up in the shadows. Over the Doyle's residence, um, the kids and Lori finish up their jack-o'-lantern, and they put a candle in it, and they settle down to, to watch the rest of the horror movie they're watching. Mm-hmm. The phone rings, and it's Lori's like, oh, my God, it's been, the phone's been ringing off the hook. It's Linda saying, hey, we're at the Wallace's. Where's Annie? Lori says, oh, Annie was going to go pick up Paul. I'm assuming they went somewhere to fuck. So Annie, Lindsay's over here. I need to talk to Annie because, like, if she's not back by the time the Doyles get back, like, what am I supposed to do? Right. But basically what Linda and Bob hear is Annie is gone for the night. So they are, they're in the bone zone, right? They're in the bone well, zone. They go upstairs to have sex. Again, the losing losing your virginity, you know, passing from the, the safety of, of virginity to the— 
depravity. I don't know, the the unsafety of sex. Yes. And they start having sex, and the phone keeps ringing, so they take the phone off the hook. Because Linda's thing is, if we can't answer it, if it's the Wallaces, they'll be like, why are there two teenagers we don't know having sex in our house? I mean, a great question. But don't take Um, the phone off the hook. Yeah, exactly. They're setting themselves up again. They finish up. They both light cigarettes. And Linda says, could you get me a beer downstairs? And he says, okay, I'll be right back. And we know. Don't say that. He ain't coming back. He ain't never coming back. And also, he says, don't get dressed. She doesn't, simply doesn't have time to. Mm. And this is interesting, too. Like, I feel like to have beer in your fridge also feels like an 80s assumption. I have Do you have beer, beer in, my, in your fridge? I have beer in my fridge right now. I, I feel like maybe I'm just not a big beer drinker. Yeah. I, I would have I to don't have it for a reason. I, I randomly do because after the Super Bowl, we all kind of like took some stuff that was left over. Oh, yeah, over. Super Bowl, absolutely. So that was yeah. like still only like a couple weeks ago. So I have, you know, a six-pack of um, Pacificos, which I love. Um, downstairs in the kitchen, again, Bob doesn't turn the lights on. He finds the back door ajar, and he starts calling for Annie or Paul, thinking, are you fucking with us? Like, you know we're in here. Like, are you pranking us? He opens the pantry door, uh, hearing a sound, and Michael Myers, like, leaps mm. out of, if, at, at him, mm-hmm. and he stabs Bob through the chest onto the wall in such a way that he Bob is lifted up off the ground, so his feet are not touching the ground. Ooh. And there's an incredible shot where it's Michael Myers with sort of his head bowed with the moonlight streaming in, and it's basically like a crucifixion. Like, yeah. he's sort of, like, looking down, then he looks up at this Christ-like figure. John Carpenter does it again, Gorgeous. baby. Unfortunately, Allison, uh, Linda's still upstairs, nude in bed, and the door Waiting. to the bedroom opens, and a figure w- who is wearing a sheet, and then over the sheet is wearing Bob's glasses, appears at the door. Okay. She assumes, rightfully enough, it's Bob, but unfortunately, Allison, that is not Bob. No. Nope. Playing a fun Halloween prank. No. Nope. And she tries to talk to him, and he- Bob refuses to answer her, and she says, all right, Does I'm Michael Myers shit. ever speak? Not in this film. Okay. I don't think he does. I don't think he ever does. Yeah, I don't get, I get a very um, non-speaking vibe from him. Strong, silent type. <laughs> uh, Linda says, I'm over this. I'm calling Lori. Like, I need to figure out what Annie is. I know, where are they? This is so weird. As soon as Linda gets Lori on the phone, Bob, a.k.a. Michael Myers, Michael Myers dressed as Bob as a ghost, Starts strangling her with the phone cord. Oh boy. She's, of course, topless, tits out, getting strangled with the phone cord. And on the phone, she's like, oh, great. Okay, first I get your world-famous chewing, and now your world champion squealing. And to be fair, this is, like, the level, like, you know, you've heard someone scream, especially in terror. Yeah. And Linda's like, ah, ah. It's like, okay. Okay, okay girl. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, okay. This is just, there's just no one who has screamed in terror in that way. Yeah, and sounded like titillated. But again, but again, we get the metaphor, like yes. a, a nude woman screaming, the knife penetrating her body. Honey, this is in middle school. We all get it. We you get know what it. I mean? We get it. Finally, Lori says, Annie, are you all right? Like, are you hearing this? And she's like, I will kill you if this is a prank. But again, assuming yeah. I must be crazy, this is a prank, it's Halloween. And then we finally get, this is our first clear shot of Michael Myers' masks, because we've seen him from a distance. Yeah. And to see, like, the cavernous eye and the dead white of it, 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 it was really effective. Mm-hmm. The call gets cut off, and Lori runs to check on the kids. They're both asleep in Tommy's bed now. And Loomis is still outside the Myers house waiting for Michael Myers. Yeah. And he looks on the street and he sees down the block 
the stolen vehicle that Michael Myers was driving. And he realizes, okay, so he must be in the area. Yeah. He's up the street. So he starts heading down. Lori makes a decision I went out of made. She checks to make sure the kids are asleep. She then takes the keys, locks up the wall, the Doyle's house, and walks over to the Wallace's house. Couldn't be made. So she leaves two sleeping children. Nope. And this I is wouldn't. before, like, there would have been, like, cameras and cell phones and all. Yeah. Like, it's like, I could see now when somebody's like, oh, I'm just going to run, you know, next door real sure. quick. Um but you've got yeah. a camera and a baby monitor or whatever. But, like, just, like, leaving two kids locked in a house and you're like, I got to go across the street? No. It's not. That's exactly first rule of babysitter's club. And also some guy's been following you. I, yeah. If that was me, I'd be like, both those kids are going to be dead when I, got, yep. when I get back. Like, I, I just have to come to terms with that. When she gets there, the front door of the walls is, is locked. She walks around to the side door and enters. It's completely dark inside. And she sort of calls off her friends. There's no reply. Allison... She climbs the stairs, only to find Annie's corpse in bed, a t- the tombstone of Judith Myers propped up on the pillow. He brought it upstairs? He hauled it upstairs. That is commitment. And again, murdering a young, beautiful woman over and over again, mm-hmm. reenacting the murder of his sister over and over again. And unfortunately, Lori screams and turns. The closet door kind of swings open, revealing Bob's hanging body. And then a cabinet pops open. Linda's corpse is just kind of crab, crammed in a shelf. Okay, so everyone's just in there. Everyone's in there. Everyone's dead. Michael Myers just put it all together. So there's no question yes. in Lori's mind that everyone's dead. She starts shob- sobbing. She's distracted. That's when Michael Myers steps out of the shadow and stabs Lori in the shoulder. And she backs up basically to the second floor landing and flips over, falling down the stairs to the first floor. Lori manages to get up, but the front door is locked from the inside. And also, when she runs to the kitchen, the kitchen door is locked from the inside. She realizes the kitchen door has been jammed shut with a rake. So he has okay. planned this, okay. right? He has trapped the shut the doors and trapped her in there. Fortunately, Lori's not going to give up. She is our virgin. She punches out the window with her bare hand and is able to pull the rake away that he jammed through the handle. Now it's time for our full screen queen, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. She is shrieking, help me, help me. She runs to the next door. The light comes on and then shuts off. Mm. And my question to you is, if somebody came to your door screaming, would you let them in? Oh, boy. I mean, that's a tough one. As, like, a woman who lives alone, you know, the stakes are always a little bit higher. um, Just because you're by yourself. So it's not like, oh, if things go south, there's not, like, somebody who can help you get out of the situation. Yeah. I mean, I want to say that I would let someone in because I would assume that they were in danger. But my brain would be like, am I now in danger? Either from this person or whoever's after this person. Yeah, and then if that person was the actual Jamie Lee Curtis, what do you think your answer would be? Absolutely letting her in. Something to think about. Yeah. If we were all famous, would yes, that offer if everybody us a was love famous, I would feel safer. Yeah. Hey, we're working on it. That's what social media is, yep. you know? Um, meanwhile, Lori makes it all the way back over to Tommy's house, only to realize that the keys are missing from her pocket. She turns around. Michael Myers is just making his way, ambling and bambling over across the street while she's fumbling, looking for these keys. And I feel that way normally when I can't get my keys out. So it's just yeah. like watching this. Oh, yeah, awful. She's fortunately able to um, wake up Tommy by taking a flower pot and hurling it at the house. It shatters. Tommy wakes up, comes down, and opens the door from the inside just in time. Okay. She shuts it. She says, get the fuck upstairs and lock the door to your bedroom. He's like, oh, my God, is it the boogeyman? She's like, 
kind yeah. of, you know, like, yes, in a, in a matter of sense, yes. I don't want to get into it, but she runs the phone, Allison. Of course, it is dead. Michael Myers has cut the phone line. He's a planner. He, he's a planner. He's got a whole plan. And he sees the window is open. She turns just as Michael Myers lunges from behind a couch. And Lori reaches down and grabs a knitting needle out of her knitting bag. Because as we've established, she's a fucking dweeb. Yeah. She's got a school box. Books. You better believe she's knitting. She's knitting. Takes out the knitting needle, stabs him in the neck. Nice. So again, our virgin grabs the phallus, you know, penetrates the Takes, body of yes. the killer. He, he collapses behind the couch. She, not having been in the situation before, unfortunately, she's going she's gonna to be in it a lot for the next, the rest of her life, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she falls on the couch assuming, my God, it's over. I killed him. Meanwhile, the sheriff is outside and finds Dr. Loomis walking on the block, basically in front of the Doyle and Wallace homes. And he's trying to explain to the sheriff, like, I saw the car there. He must be close by. Lori runs upstairs to get Tommy and Lindsay. And he says, again, are you, was it that the boogeyman? And she said, it, yes, but it's going to be okay. I killed him. Yes. And Tommy says, don't you get it? You can't kill the boogeyman. I don't Allison, like children nerd, like... Say Dead, things right? like that. <laughs> yeah. She turns. Michael is at the top of the stairs behind her. Mm. They run into the bedroom. She shoves the kids in the closet and then opens the patio door to make it seem like maybe she ran out onto the second floor. Like, I guess you call it a patio. Yeah. Like it's a little. Sure. Terrace. Um, terrace. Yeah. And then hides in another closet, which I thought was very smart. Very I would have just immediately vomited and fallen down. Yeah. Like, I, I would just be laying on the floor dead. screaming. <laughs> just- yeah. <laughs> So she's hiding in the closet in the dark. Unfortunately, Michael, there's those, remember those 80s, like the slatted closet doors, yes. like a closet door that's not a full door? Yeah. They are no match for Michael Myers. He's just fucking busting them out, yeah. just breaking his way inside. And Lori, again, she's, she's a fucking smart cookie. She grabs a wire hanger and unbends it and jams it into Michael Myers' eye. Wow. And in that moment, he drops his knife. Again, the huge Giant knife. two-foot fucking knife. Big basically knife. the same Make and model as when he committed his first murder. Yes. She picks it up and she stabs Michael Myers with it. And he drops to the floor Yay. silent. Lori's able to creep past his body and get the kids out of the closet. And she says, get out of the house, run to the McKenzie's down the street and have them call the cops. Get the fuck out of here. And I was like, that's the right. Yes, I, I, the finally. Grass, the kids are getting out of here. Finally. And the kids do the right thing, which is as soon as they run outside, they are screaming for help. Like screaming, screaming, screaming as they run. Luckily, Dr. Loomis has approached the house, and once he sees that, it's like, I was right. It's like, okay, well, Dr. Uh, well, Loomis, you didn't, like, help in any way, but right. you are right. People are dead. Know? Yeah. But he's like, that's the house. So he goes inside, and Lori, again, she's killed this motherfucker twice. She's exhausted. She's zonked. So she's kind of resting against a door frame. Of course, Michael Myers rises up from behind her, no. grabs her, and no. starts choking her. They grapple, Jesus and Lori, pull, Lori pulls off Michael's mask, revealing that he's just some guy underneath. Just some he guy. just looks like a regular guy. Just a regular guy? Is it Michael Myers, though? It is Michael okay. Myers. And I think I think the reveal is supposed to be like, oh, he's not a monster. Right, it's just a guy. He's a human person who wants to kill. Yeah. And he sort of puts his mask on quickly before Dr. Loomis comes in and shoots him, then shoots him again and just fucking unloads a revolver yes, into great. Michael Myers' body. He flips over the edge of the terrace and falls down onto the, onto the grass. And Lori sobs. And she says, it was the boogeyman. And Loomis looks at her and says, as a matter of fact, it was. And he looks over the edge of the terrace, Allison, 
and Michael Myers' body is already gone. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're losing Halloween. I know. Yeah. Um, well, what are your thoughts? Um, what are some fatal mistakes you think people have made made in the movie Halloween? Fatal mistakes. I mean, Loomis convincing the cops to like do nothing about Michael Myers being on the loose. I just That's I think be you know one what? of I the do biggest... think it is like oh he he wanted to be the one like he kind yes. of was like arrogant and his hubris is what allowed this to happen in some level yes. He yes, definitely. Um, but so that's a fatal mistake. Um, yes, just like fucking in a random house. But sometimes you got to do dangerous. it. Sometimes you just have to. Even just like not with a killer on the loose, it's like you don't know who's gonna come home and think that you're a home invader and shoot. You. Like it, there's just a lot of risks there. I guess yeah. And again, simpler time, I suppose. Overall, I think as we say with many of these movies, is not telling somebody when something weird is going on. Like if there's someone that you've seen around town uh, several times uh, looking at you, tell someone. But again, I just I think maybe at the time that this was, you know, yeah. As a woman, you're like, yeah, some guys follow me around. I'm not gonna make a big deal about it. You know, 1978. Yeah. Also, I just want to say, I, I, I phrased it incorrectly. When we're watching The Thing, like it's the original uh-huh. The Thing movie, that The Thing ha- is, is this Halloween predates John Carpenter's The Thing. But it is a fun for yes. us moment to see that yes. and knowing that, because it was it was 10 years later, they, uh, the, oh, I'm sorry now, when did this come out? 78, you said? So this was, yeah, so 78, so four years later, The Thing came out. So it's sort of like a fun it hadn't been released, but was it, it, presumably in the offing. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that's really, other than that, like, there's no way that anyone in the town could have known this was going to happen. Um, Dr. Loomis had li- a lot of information, but didn't really seem to understand what yeah, much to do with it. Right, yeah. It's like, it's good that he knew all this stuff, but, like, boy, we could have acted on it differently. Yeah, like, what did it amount to right. in the end? Um, frankly, I could have stood to see him die, uh, you know, yeah. I wouldn't, wouldn't have minded. Yeah. Um, and then finally, where would you put, um, Halloween, the original Halloween on the spooky scale, Allison? A spooky scale. Whew. I mean, it is sc- like classic slasher. Like again, this could happen. Um, which always makes it scarier than if it's like, oh, a demon from another dimension is here bothering everybody. Like, that's not as common. Um, I'm going to say a six and a half. Yeah, I'm going to say a seven because I, obviously now seeing it, I appreciate it, I enjoy mm-hmm. it. I do not find it scary anymore. But when I remember seeing the final scene where she's in the closet. Yeah. Unbending the wire hanger and finding that whole sequence fucking chilling. Yeah. And then the moment at the end where you finally, you see that his body's gone. Yes, that's I, obviously, I, yeah, very scary. Uh, I want to say I was definitely under 10 when I saw this, which yeah. I don't, I think probably was too young, too young, but iconic for a reason, an Truly. incredibly done film. Um, we hope you enjoyed having, it's just one of those things where like, I, I feel bad because I don't know what I have to offer for this movie because it's been so talked about. Yeah. But all, I feel like all we could offer is our true pleasure in it. Yes. And the, it's just a recognition of like a simple story told well yeah. is always going to be satisfying. It's a classic. It's a classic for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, well, 
well, we did it. Thank you for listening, everyone. Yes, thank you. And uh, until next time, please keep it spooky. We would really appreciate it if you could. We would. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. Price drop? Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. 